Okay, so we're in a series called Relate, and if you haven't picked up on this yet or not, Relate isn't just the name of our church, it's actually an acronym, and it stands for a process of dealing with threats and struggles in our lives. So last week we talked about rerouting our thinking, and Relate, though, before we get to, to, into this, is learning and practicing how to do relationships right. You say, well, John, what's right? I'll tell you what's right. God's way is right. And God has relationships. He's not just some king sitting on a throne that's, that's untouchable, that cannot be uh, communicated with. It's really interesting all throughout Scripture when you read of people talking to God, they had the audacity to talk back to Him. That's how personal God presents Himself to human beings. It's amazing. You know, and you think about it, at some point, Satan looked across heaven and saw God and said, I can take him. It was pretty dumb, wasn't it? And I've always thought, what was it at that moment that Satan decided that he could take God on as a challenge? What was it that God was doing in that moment? Was he rolling around in angel dust with the angels playing football? What was he doing in that moment that, that Satan said, oh, pff, that's ungodly. I can take him. God is a very humble God. So much so that he has personal relationships and he wants a personal relationship with you. All right, none of that had anything to do with what I'm going to talk about today. So let me try to move forward. All right, let's go through the RELATE acronym real quick. R is... E, Elevate others. L, list my threats. A, my T is, turn to, turn to God from my sin. And E is, awesome, you guys are doing great. All right, so last week we talked about rerouting my thinking. And rerouting my thinking is this. When I have a negative emotion, instead of giving in to it, I decide to go another direction to seek truth, and or just forgive, right? Just let it go. Otherwise, I need to stop and seek truth. What is the truth behind this? You see, my negative emotions are never going to be truthful with me. Your negative emotions are never going to reveal some great moment of truth in your life. You're going to feel anger. You're going to feel bitterness. You're going to feel fear. There's a lot of different emotions that you can have, and they're never going to communicate truthfully to you. So rerouting your thinking decreases the amount of time it takes for you to regain your sanity after you are threatened by somebody or a situation. And so today I want to take you to the second step, which is elevating others. Elevating others is this. Putting others first, making me last, considering others above me, not by putting myself down, but by lifting them up. Elevating others. So now there's a first part that is key to this that is, is about your lifestyle and the way that you think. Because when we read Scripture, and we read in Scripture that Jesus talked about the first being last, and well, okay, I'll be last. And, and if someone asks you to walk a mile, you got to go a second mile with them. Remember Jesus talking about that? So what was He talking about? He was talking about a lifestyle. A lifestyle of 
elevating others. Elevating others begins with you taking care of you doing your purpose. Let me say that again. Elevating others begins with you taking care of you and you doing your purpose in life. You say, well, John, that sounds more like I'm focused on me. Well, just hang tight. You do need to be focused on taking care of you. You do need to be focused on you doing your purpose in this life. And in so doing, you find yourself elevating others. You see, when you aren't taking care of you, then who is? Somebody else. The only way you can walk two miles is if you're capable of walking two miles. When you aren't living out your God-given purpose in life, someone is doing without. Now think about that. When you're not living your God-given purpose in life, somebody that needs your gifts, somebody that needs your ability, somebody that needs you to speak into their life godliness, they're doing without because you're not doing your part in life. And elevating others means you're going to do your part in life so that others can have what they need. Make sense? Imagine Jesus being beyond this. Let me say this. If you're not doing your part in God's kingdom, guess what? Someone else may be exasperated trying to do their part and your part. So imagine if Jesus didn't, didn't do his... Imagine if he was consumed with other people's problems in life. Now think about this. Jesus was the miracle worker. He could heal the sick. He could cast out demons. He raised the dead. Jesus could, he, he could say, hey, go get some money out of the fish's mouth. And they'd find money in the fish's mouth. These are things that Jesus did. Don't you think people were demanding of Jesus' time and power and ability? And if Jesus focused his ministry and life completely on what everybody else wanted and what everybody else wanted him to do in this life and everybody else's agenda, do you think Jesus really would have gotten what he needed to get done done? He could have lived his life serving and taking care of everybody around him by doing everything that they wanted him to do and died without getting his purpose accomplished. What a waste. Do you think you could do that? Absolutely we could. What if Jesus was so busy doing what everybody else wanted and needed that he didn't get his life mission done? Would he really have been serving and elevating others? Not like he did when he hung on the cross. Mark chapter 3 Jesus went back home, and once again, such a large crowd gathered that there was no chance even to eat. So they go into town where Jesus grew up, and, and when Jesus' family heard what he was doing, they thought he was crazy. Everybody say crazy. crazy. Making sure you're awake. And he went to get them under control. Okay, look at what it just says. Mom and brothers... Jesus is here. So embarrassing. He's got this crowd. He's become a celebrity. He's going crazy. 
So they went to get Jesus under control. Don't you just love that? So we skip down to verse 31. Jesus' mother, Mary, and brothers came and stood outside the place where he was, and they sent someone with a message for him to come out to them. You can imagine Mary. Go tell Jesus his mother's here. The crowd was sitting around Jesus. That was sitting around Jesus told him, "Hey Jesus, uh, your mother and brother and sisters are outside, and and they want to see you." Jesus is like, "Uh, "Who's my mother and my my brother? What?" Um, Then he looked at the people sitting around him and said, "Here are my mother and brothers. Anyone who obeys God is my brother or sister or mother." Jesus had a purpose in life, and he protected that, and he served and elevated. You say, well, John, he just put his mother and brothers and sisters, apparently were there too, underneath him. No, 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 no. He was raising everybody up by continuing to do his purpose. He was elevating everybody. He had a plan to bring everybody into the kingdom of God that wants to. You see, when you live a responsible life, going to work, paying your bills, keeping your body in check as as reasonably as you can, eating as healthy as you can, keeping the mental and health and spirit, your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health, your financial health in line. All of these things are a big step forward in you learning and practicing the way of love. Was that too hard? Should I say it again? Okay, everybody awake. (laughs) When you have your mental, physical, spiritual, financial, relational person in line and you're taking care of yourself, that is the first step to taking care of the others around you, elevating the people around you. That is the first step to getting on to real love in your life. Elevating others begins with you taking care of you. It begins with you doing your purpose. Now, this is one of the biggest reasons that drugs and alcohol ruins relationships. When someone gets drunk or high, what are they really saying to the world? Hey, I'm going to check out for a few hours. And I expect you to take care of everything around me and me. And whatever happens while I'm out is your fault. (laughs) That doesn't bid well for relationships. So the next time you stop and go, okay, I'm just going to get plastered for a bit. What you're telling the world is, do I need to continue? Boy, am I meddling. I'm sorry. (laughs) We can just go to lunch, can't we? No, I know none of you do that in here. All right. True love begins with you taking care of you. Listen, when you eat healthy, you're saying to the people in your life, look, I want you to be free from taking care of me because I'm going to grow older and feel 
my best. At least I'm going to do the best that I can to grow old and feel my best. And I don't want you to have to take care of me. That's elevating the people around you. When you're you're drug and alcohol free, you're saying to everybody around you, you're free to live your lives not worried about me because I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be awake. I'm going to be aware and I'm going to be here doing my part in life. And I don't you don't have to worry about me. When you take care of, when you make enough money to take care of your bills and take care of yourself, what are you saying to others? You don't need to worry about me. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm doing what I need to do to have food and clothes and everything that I need for my life so much so that I can actually help others. When you're healthy spiritually, what are you telling your loved ones? I'm going to heaven. You don't have to worry about me. My God has all of my life taken care of. I trust him with it. You don't have to worry about me. When you've got your spiritual life in line, you're telling everybody, don't worry about me. I'm here to help others. When you're healthy mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, you're telling others, I'm okay. And that is elevating others. Just makes sense, doesn't it? What you're doing when you live like this is you're removing the threats that you pose to the people around you. You're removing those threats. And next week we're going to talk about those threats. There's only three of them. And when you live in such a way that you're taking care of yourself in every way that you possibly can, you're removing the threats that you pose in other people's lives. And guess what? That helps people to like you. It keeps people safe being around you. Now, if every time someone's around you, they have to seriously reroute their thinking just because you walked into the room, that's a problem. Posing threats to others is a problem, and you're missing out on loving, caring, and deep relationships. Husbands, come on. When you come home and you take, your, take care of your clothes and you, you take care of, you know, you clean up after yourself, you go in the kitchen, you get yourself a snack, and you clean up after yourself, and you take care of your household responsibilities, and you're doing your part around the house, you're on the road to a happy, wonderful, healthy marriage, right? But, 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 but when you come home, and there is a line of clothes from the front door to the back of the house just laying on the floor... And you've gone into the kitchen and you've made a snack and you just leave it all out. And then you just go and sit down and start flipping through the channels. What are you saying to your wife? I'm going to be irresponsible for the rest of this night and you can just take care of me and deal with it. Should I go to the wives or just leave that? We can, we can save some time and get to lunch faster and everybody be happier, right? Yeah, if, if all you're doing is sitting there on Facebook, Snapchat, and all of that, and you haven't been industrious in doing your part in this life, you're a threat to the people who are counting on you. And when you're not doing your part, what happens? They get hurt, they get angry, they get frustrated, they don't know what to do with you, right? All right, move on. Should we take this to the workplace? No, we'll leave that alone too. All right. In other words, all of this applies in every area of our lives. And when you decide, I'm going to take care of me, I'm going to take care of my responsibilities, I'm going to do my purpose in life, 
everybody around you isn't threatened by you anymore. All right, so elevating others is removing the threat that you pose in their life by you taking care of you. That's where it starts. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Some of you, your parents never want to see you again. No, not, not, not anybody in here. I know some people, their children don't want to have anything to do with them. And it's hard. It's hard. And, um, you know, there was a lady in Oklahoma City that, she was the sweetest lady. She came and she volunteered at the church. And she, what I didn't know for a long time was that she used to have some serious life-controlling problems in her life. And her kids never wanted to see her again. And here she was, one of the most sweet, kind, wonderful volunteers in the church. And when she began to tell me her story and, and all that she had done that destroyed her relationships with her kids, it just was heartbreaking. But you know, when you begin to live a life and those kids open their hearts up to that life change, things can turn around. And all you can do is start now. Start with your life, doing your life the right way, God's way, all right? So after, so, so let's shift gears a little bit. I'm going to move on to, to the other part of elevating others when you get threatened. Everybody with me? We got some, we got some time. This is good stuff. If, if you're struggling in any relationships, take some notes, whatever you need to do. Let's get into it. So what's the first step when you get threatened? Reroute my thinking, Right? And if you reroute your thinking and you come to find out that, oh, the threat is only happening in my head, then what do you do? You, you deal with it, and we'll talk about that next week as far as listing your threats. But if the person is actually threatening you, if they're actually doing something that's hurting you or making you afraid, if they're doing something that is truly offensive, You've got to take this step. You've got to elevate them. So let's talk about it. Number one, when you elevate somebody, you've got to remember who they belong to. They belong to the Lord. They belong to the Lord. Some of you have people in your mind right now that you're going, oh man, they belong to God. And here's what you need to know. What you do to them, God says you've done unto him. Matthew chapter 25, God says, Jesus said, look, if, if you give someone a cup of water in my name, you've done it for me. But whatever you do to them, you've done unto me. Don't you think that that could go the negative way too? So if you do something negative to somebody, you've done it unto the Lord. That's a little scary, isn't it? God recognizes how you and I treat people. The person in your life that is irritating to you. The person that is threatening you. That spouse, that child, that parent, the in-laws, the son-in-law, the daughter-in-law. Whoever it is that might be a threat to you. You've got to remember, they belong to God. Everybody say with me, they belong to God. It's not everybody saying it with me. Say it with me. This is a big one. They belong to God. They are God's. And God will deal with them. God will help them. Whatever they need, He knows what they need more than you do. 
That coworker that drives you crazy, guess what? They belong to God. Your boss that drives you nuts, he belongs to God. She belongs to God, right? That family member that you just, oh, man, I don't look forward to Thanksgiving because of this one person. They belong to God. Now, this, this, listen, this is where it is so important for you to know what real, true love is. Because these people will begin to teach you what true love is. They will tell you how to love them. And sometimes how they think true love is that you should be doing in their life towards them isn't true love. And so it's so deeply important. That's why we talk about it so much in this church. What is love? What does real love look like? Trying to help you to know what it looks like in your life. So first, you've got to recognize that God loves them and God will hold you accountable for what you do and how you treat them even though they are uh, a perpetrator towards you. All right, number two, the, you elevate them by challenging and sometimes by demanding that they behave in a way that reflects their God's, God-given status. All right, everybody follow that? You elevate them by challenging and sometimes by demanding that they behave in a way that reflects their God-given status. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 2, What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Talking to God. A son of man that you care for him. You made them, humans, just a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Wow. That's the status of humankind. They were created just a little below the angels, but now God has raised them up, you and me. He says this about human beings. He doesn't say this about your dog. He doesn't say this about... I saw a t-shirt in Walmart yesterday. I took a picture. I should have put it up on the thing. Something... Dogs are my favorite people. Okay. This is, this is where we are. Someone's going to buy that. Dogs are my favorite people. He didn't give this to dogs. He didn't give this to horses. He didn't give... Listen, I know you love your horses and stuff, but humans are what God raised up. He crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. What did Jesus do? He said... He said, you are very important, and he raised the value of humans. He started us out with creating us just beneath the angels. Now, there is a line that is here that is is dividing between us being very animalistic in our behavior and us being human-like and then us being God-like. And guess where God wants us to head? God-like. He says, I created you to be an imager of me. And so God wants you and me to begin to operate in a God-like way in our relationships with each other. And he says, I know how to relate right. I know how to communicate well. And I want you to begin to work in your life in such a way that you are God-like in your relationships. So elevating others is this. You've got to begin to believe that they can learn how to not threaten you. And you've got to begin to teach them what they're doing is a threat to you so that that relationship can move forward. So let me talk about 
the difficult people in your life for just a minute. And maybe you can tell me whether or not these are people that you've got in your life. Because I know I've got them. Listen, if you're spending your God, and I don't have this one. But if you're spending your God-given time, God gave you time on this planet, trying to wake someone up for an hour every morning, you probably aren't living out your purpose in life. Which gets us back to what we talked about earlier, right? You have a purpose and a meaning in life. And going in and saying, wake up, honey. Wake up, honey. I know you were out late last night. If you're going in and waking someone up when they have the ability to set an alarm to get themselves out of bed and to go after their own purpose in life, if you're wasting your life doing that, then you're missing out and the people that you should be serving that God has given you to serve are missing out on your gifts and talents and abilities. Amen. You see, we all have people in our lives that never plan to take care of themselves. They never plan to take care of themselves. They can plan journeys. They can plan to go buy whatever they want to buy, but they cannot plan to take care of themselves. They assume that their margin of error in life is always going to include your time, your help, your attention, and, and they have no problem with you missing out on the commitments that you've made in your life. They have no problem with calling you on Sunday morning and saying, hey, I ran out of gas and I'm on 35. I need you to come and get me. And you're like, well, I'm on my way to church. Oh, you've always got church. Come get me. So when that happens, call Harvey. He's got a good answer for you. I need you to help me move. It's an emergency. Well, it was an emergency six months ago and six months before that. But no, this is real. I've got to have you move. Well, it's, it's, no, I've got church on Sunday. I mean, they don't care about your commitments in life. You've got commitments to the family, to the people in your life, the people that you're supposed to be serving, and these people keep drawing you away, right? They don't care if your children go without while they get what they want. Their problems are always outside of themselves, and their problems can always be solved if someone else would just get in line and do it for them. Am I talking to somebody that knows someone like this? All right. If this person would do this, then I'd be happy for a minute. And they only like or love people that do what they want them to do. And as soon as you don't do what they want them to do, yeah, you know what that looks like. So one strategy they use to manipulate you, and they're masters at this, is always reminding you of their position in your life. Isn't this what Jesus dealt with? Tell him his mother is out here. He knows how important I am. Tell him his brothers are out here. We're going to whoop him. They'll remind you of their position in your life all day long. I'm your grandmother. I'm your father. I'm your sister. I'm your mother. Come on, man. We're brothers. And if you ever hear someone say, hey, cuz, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so what are our normal reactions? 
Normally we give in to them, thinking that because of their position in our life or the situation, that it's our responsibility to take care of them. And, and, and they're always very good at getting what they want from you, right? So they love this question that you're trying to ask and answer in your life. What would Jesus do? Because everybody thinks that Jesus is a pushover. Everybody thinks that Jesus is just, okay, I'll go do it for you. You need gas? All right. I've got other people waiting for me, but I'll go get Everybody thinks Jesus is just some pushover. Let me ask you a question. As a Christian, as a believer, as somebody that even pays your tithe, is Jesus at your beckoned call? Has anybody here prayed and here comes Jesus? I'm here to save the day. Whatever you ask. Jesus does it on his time. He does it in his way. Why? Because he knows what's best for everything. Right? So for you and me to think that we should be available at the beckoned call of anybody and everybody, you're wasting your life. Can I say that a little bit more plain? Secondly, we often demean them by believing that they can't learn. Well, they're just stupid. (laughs) They're just too dumb. They're never going to learn, so we don't even try to communicate with them. Listen, we have diminished them down to being nothing more than a pest, like a roach that cannot learn. And that is wrong. Elevating them is saying, no, you're better than a pest. You're better than an animal. You're better than a roach. You're better than any of that. And it's time for you to get your life together and start moving forward in your life because you can. People need someone that believes in them like that. Are you hearing me? People need that. Listen, when you look at another human and you say, hey, don't treat me this way. You're above this. You've just elevated them. When you look at another person and you say, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to be in my life. And it looks like this. Stop doing this. Start doing this. You've just elevated them. You've just said, look, you're better than an animal. You're better than somebody that's acting down here. That's beneath you. God created you here, and He says you can actually go up here and begin to act godlike in your relationship with me. That's elevating them. Come on, folks, that's exciting. So this is what it means in Scripture when it says to speak the truth in love, right? Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. He says, speak the truth in love. Love the people around you and speak the truth. Elevate them. Tell them the truth. Third, we also give in because they're more passionate about what they want or need. Their entitlements. They believe they're entitled, and therefore, when they communicate it, they're asking for it passionately, right? 
your responsibility, here's your responsibilities to teach people in your life how to have a long-term relationship with you. And they can choose whether or not they want to get on that path or not. That's their choice. And you've got to set them free to make that choice and be good with it. So here's where, where you can start. You've got to start telling them where to begin. Tell them where to begin. Stop accusing me of something I didn't do. That's a good place to start. When you decide that you're going to stop accusing me of something I didn't do, then you can, that's a start into my life. Isn't that fair? Stand up for yourself, right? Stop using anger to get me to do what you want. That's a good place to start. And when they stop using anger to get what they want in your relationship with them, that's a good place. Stop talking bad about me. Stop talking bad about my wife. Stop talking bad about my kids. And that's a good place to start. What, are you, what, what you're doing is hurting me. That's a good statement. What you're doing is hurting me. Stop. What are you doing? You're calling them out of animalistic behavior into this. And here's a good one. As long as you're heading down that direction that is destructive and going to ruin your life and other relationships, I'm not going to go an inch down that, down that path with you. That's a good place to start in a relationship for them to understand. All right, they love me, and that's why they're not going down this path with me. And if you start to come back and get on this path, I will be able to have a relationship with you. Those are good starting points. Are you following me? Listen, your job is to forgive them. And what do they think forgiveness is? Giving them what they want. And they're always asking for it, right? Oh, forgive me. Just forgive me. I did yesterday. and Here we are again. And by the way, that's, that's how we treat God sometimes, isn't it? Oh, God, forgive me for that. And then we're back in the same place tomorrow. So it's about relationship. Your job is to forgive them. Set boundaries around your purpose and meaning and have a path for them to come back into your life. That's your job. And you know that you've forgiven them when you know that you've got a path for them to come back into your life. But as long as you don't see that path, you need some, you, you've got some work to do. James David, would you come? You see, boundaries are set to build relationships, not walls, although the walls are necessary. The walls are necessary. But that's not why the boundaries are there. The boundaries are there so that you can teach others how to have a relationship with you. And guess what's always there in a boundary? Should be a door. A place for them to come in properly. Boundaries. If you don't know anything about boundaries, it's, it's, it's a great buzzword that our culture has, but there's plenty of books out there, great books on boundaries. If you need me to recommend you one, let me know and I'll, I'll do that for you. But boundaries teach others how to live with us. And listen, let me tell you this, if your spouse ever quits teaching you that, how to live with them, 
you're in trouble. When your wife quits telling you what she likes and doesn't like, there's an end date already set in that relationship. You just don't know it. Ladies, when your husband quits telling you what he likes and he's given up on it and what he doesn't like, that relationship has died. And it's the same thing in all of our relationships. You've got to learn how to communicate what you like and what you don't like. And God is a master at this. That's what He did all throughout the Bible. Teaching us who He is. Boundaries are so important. La bought this this, um, cage for Eli the other day. It's this huge... I walked in the house and we've, we've got this huge fence in the living room. So he can go anywhere in the living room in that fence. And it's a safe place, you know, so she can get something done. She can set him in there. But what happens when she sets him in there? Wah! 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 So she's got to leave him and let him finish crying. And what happens when people in your life that you have struggled in a relationship with when they suddenly come up to this barrier, this boundary, what happens? Wah! You don't love me anymore! They're going to cry for a while. And it's okay. Eventually they'll turn and start playing. They'll start doing something maybe more productive with their life, right? Listen, you're welcome in my home as long as you don't come and read my mail. You're welcome in my home as long as you don't come and go back into my bedroom and start going through my drawers. It's boundaries. Normal stuff. And listen, giving in to people as they're trying to keep you from putting up boundaries, that's not love. You're not teaching them how to have a relationship with you. You're just getting angrier and angrier and angrier and more bitter and frustrated. Where's the love in that? Teach them that you have meaning and purpose in your life and you're focused on that. And as long as what they need doesn't thwart that, you'll be there to help. And as long as it keeps you from helping them to not meet that purpose in their life. You're there to help them with that. But if what you're doing to help people is keeping them stuck in their, in their sin and in their pain, then you're a part of that. You don't want to do that. And that relationship is broken, even though you're still communicating. It doesn't work. And here's the thing. It's going to be a long time when you start putting those boundaries up for them to ever, if they ever do see that it was wise of you to do so. And you're not their savior. But maybe you being the one to say no might open up an opportunity for them to look up. And here's what I do know, and this is a saying that you'll hear if you're in AA. Standing next to every casket is a mom that enabled him all the way. So, 
we do our part in God's kingdom, in our homes, in our relationships. I want to read a passage to you, Ephesians chapter 4. No prolonged infancies among us. Get a visual of that. No prolonged infancies among us. Please, he says. We'll not tolerate babies in the woods. Small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up. Look what he says. Small children that are an easy mark for imposters. What's he saying? In the kingdom of God, there are people that come in that are imposters and they're going to teach and and preach and they're going to say stuff that's not true. And the people that are babes in Christ are going to be tricked. You don't want to be that, do you? And we don't want that in our church family, right? We want people to come in and be able to grow up in the kingdom of God. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God robust in love. And so that's what we're talking about here is learning the way of love, true love. And learning the way of love doesn't look like love sometimes. It looks like saying no. It looks like being mean sometimes. It looks like being the one that is outcasted from the group of people that want you to just give in to anything and everything in your life. And you'll feel alone at times. And if you love as much as Jesus loved, it'll even put you on the cross. So we elevate others, we love others by taking care of ourselves. And we love others by calling them into their true God-given identity. We elevate them and say, no, No, as long as you're going to behave that way, I'm not going down that road with you. Because you're better than that. You're better than that. And you can behave. You can get rid of this in your life. You can grow up. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked at someone and said something of that to them. And you can just see it change. They've never heard anybody say that before. You can be free and you can be better. Would you bow your heads? So in God's kingdom, it's important for us to always look at ourselves and say, you know, is there anything here in my life that I need to evaluate? How am I a threat 
how am I a threat? Am I a threat to my husband? Am I a threat to my wife? Are they communicating things that they don't like and I just am not listening? I just keep going on like they'll always be there. Are there some things that need to change in your life for you to have good relationships? And when's the last time you looked up and said, God, what do you want me to change? What can I change for you to accommodate for you? God, I want to be a person that is healthy all the way around. And maybe you're sitting there feeling like that is a mountain you don't even know where to begin to climb. And here's where you begin today. You say, God, this is where I am. And I want to grow in my relationship with you. And you start with the first thing that God gives you the courage and strength to tackle. Just ask Him for it right now. Start with something that is simple, something that is easy, a simple change. Maybe it's getting up in the morning and praying for five minutes. Maybe it's as simple as waking up in the morning and saying, Good morning, Father, I love you. You start there. You start with something simple and get it, get it moving forward. And if there's something that God has said, look, I don't like this in your life. Would you mind accommodating for me? Would you change this for me? Okay, Father, I ask you for strength to do that now in Jesus' name. I want to change it for you. Not because it's the law, but because I love you. I love you. Father, I pray right now for you to begin to work in each of our lives that we can be better at our relationship with you and each other. Let there be restoration today. And Father, help us to focus in on what you have for us, the purpose of our lives, the meaning that you give us. We commit ourselves to that today. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. And God, maybe there's someone here right now that's inviting you into their life. I thank you for doing that. Simply, Jesus, I want to get to know you more. I invite you in. I make you my God. I want to get to know who you are, what you like, and what you don't like. And I will live the rest of my life for you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.